In this edition of the Passion to Action series, you'll meet Girl Scout and Pinnacle Awardee, Audrey Hankinson. Audrey became a Pinnacle Awardee for completing all three of the Girl Scouts' highest awards, the bronze, silver, and gold. As an extremely accomplished Girl Scout, Audrey is also a future leadership scholarship recipient. She served as a girl member of the Girl Scouts of Maine Board of Directors and is a counselor at Camp Natarsui. She also volunteers as part of the Gold Award Committee. Now a sophomore in college and a lifetime member of the Girl Scouts, Audrey is studying American Sign Language and theater. We have lots of things to cover and talk about, including how Girl Scouts has helped Audrey become who she is today, a leader and trailblazer with big plans. Welcome to a Passion to Action edition of the Daughters of Change podcast, where you'll hear the stories of young women who have turned their passion into action through Girl Scouting. Encouraged and prepared through the Girl Scout leadership experience to imagine solutions and chase innovation where others only see challenges. These girls are exploring their big ideas with freedom and flexibility. They are motivated to build things from scratch, unleash their potential, and lead us toward the answers our future requires. Prepare yourselves to be amazed. Before we get started, a special thanks and a Big shout out to our collaboration partners for the Passion to Action campaign. The Girl Scouts of Maine, building girls of courage, confidence, and character who make the world a better place. And First National Bank and First National Wealth Management, serving Maine from 17 branches along the coast and inland in Bangor. Dream first, our best days are ahead. Hello, Audrey, and welcome to our Passion to Action series for the Daughters of Change podcast. I'm really happy to have you here today. I'm really excited to be here. I've never been on a podcast before. (laughs) Oh, well, look at that. It's a first. It's another adventure in your path to leadership because having met you now and as people hear about all the amazing things you've already done in your life I'm sure that we're going to be, you're going to be doing a lot more podcasts. I think this is just the (laughs) beginning. Yeah. (laughs) A lot more, a lot more interviews, a lot more podcasts. Um, And so Audrey, I read the, you know, the intro um, and we talked about in that intro, you know, some of the things you've accomplished as a Girl Scout, but I'd like to know something about you that would surprise people to know. Um, Not sure if this is what you meant when you were asking this, but I, consider myself a movie buff. (laughs) I'm a big uh, Marvel and like Star Wars fan and like 80s teen, like 16 Candles, Ferris Bueller, that kind of stuff. Uh, I feel like I'm a big nerd in that area of expertise, so to say. Oh, I love that. You know what? I, you just named some of my favorite movies. Oh yeah. 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 And my son, my boys are both really uh, into all of what you just mentioned. <laughs> That's really fun. I like that. And our editor is a music buff for some of the uh, music from the, the 60s, 70s, 80s. So there you have it. I love that. 
going to keep it going. Mm -hmm. And on that note, I also want to ask you how old you were when you first became a Girl Scout. I was in first grade, I believe. So I was five. Um, And I started, I signed up and got on a waiting list for a troop. And until I got on a troop, I was a Juliet Scout with my mom, basically, um, and worked on some badges all by myself until I could get in a real troop. What made you decide you wanted to be a Girl Scout? Honestly, I think at the time it was like the cool thing to do. (laughs) And it was like one of the after school things that a lot of people were doing. That's probably what my motivation was at the time. (laughs) I think I stuck with it for different reasons, but that's definitely what got me started. Yeah. So that, that, as you said, there were a whole lot of other reasons why you stuck with it. And you, you actually took advantage of so many of the opportunities that were put in front of you. And that's something that we're actually going to be touching on a lot today. But reflecting back now on your years in Girl Scouts, how do you feel that your experience as a Girl Scout has helped you? I think it sounds cliche, but I really truly believe that it gave me the confidence and independence and um, skills that go with those to go to college and to pursue what I want to do. And yeah, in general, just made me a better person. Well, you know, that's a that's a recurring theme, Audrey, that I hear from a lot of the the, I would say the senior Girl Scouts, the Girl Scouts who've been through and are in college or teens now. It's the same thing. I mean, incredible um, amounts of of confidence that you build. I mean, I think we talked about even the fact to have the confidence to come on this podcast, right? Because you've never done this before. Mm-hmm. So, and this is actually a result of Girl Scouts. So one more, one more thing. And as I um, mentioned just a little while ago, you took advantage of so many of the really cool opportunities that the Girl Scouts offered. And I want to kind of go through some of those. I'd like to talk about some of those. So I'm going to just start with um, kind of almost chronologically, but let's start with your astronomy experience at NASA Goddard. Now, let's just say that again, at NASA Goddard in Maryland, you actually went there as a teen. So how old were you when you went and how were you actually chosen to take part in that program? I was um, at the end of my freshman year in high school, so I was 14, and I believe how it worked was NASA and GSUSA worked together to pick 10 councils in uh, the U.S., and Maine was one of those. So I just sent my application to the Council of Maine and answered some questions about basically why I thought it would be cool to go. And I went with one other girl who's actually my good friend and fellow counselor at Natarsui, uh, Maddie Shields, and her mom, Linda Faber Shields, um, who was a Girl Scout leader, and then an amateur astronomer, Thurston Searfoss, whose family is also involved in Girl Scouts, and we all went there for a week together. Wow. Okay, so let's let's just reflect on that for a minute while we're reflecting back on your years at Girl Scouts. The Girl Scouts work with NASA. Are you hearing that people, the Girl Scouts work with NASA? I, hello. Okay. I just had to point that out in case you didn't catch it yourselves. And what did you actually do when you got there, Audrey? So we had like classes every day, basically. We um, did some classes about current events, about like the James Webb uh, Space Telescope was recently launched. I actually got to see 
the replacement parts being made for that. Um, and we talked about like what that was doing. We talked about um, the solar probe that also recently was launched, I believe. And we learned like some activities to do with, we'll talk about the um, astronomy clubs that we started in our own councils. Um, I remember we did like, we drew an eclipse because there was eclipse coming that summer. I believe we made solar system models out of like air dry clay, like learned, you know, you have this much of clay and half of it is Jupiter and then half of Jupiter is Mars or whatever it was. Um, yeah, so we got to do like a bunch of tours and learn about a big generally space. <laughs> yeah, I mean, in opening your eyes to something that you wouldn't just get by opening up a book and and reading about it. I mean, to to actually be there and the excitement and and NASA, hello, you know? And and what did you I mean, you talked about some of the things you did and what you learned, but was there anything like sort of over and above the classes that you learned maybe about yourself or that you learned while you were there that was sort of unexpected to you? Well, it was like the first time I was traveling without a member of my family. So definitely, again, adding to the independence uh, aspect of my personality and just another way of seeing like, I wonder if I can do this and turning out that like I can do this <laughs> and uh, have a good time while doing it and learn something and make new friends from, you know, California, which I had never done before, that kind of thing. So really opened your eyes to the world at large and moving through the world outside of sort of that safe space of home in the neighborhood. And as you mentioned just a, a little bit ago, it didn't end there. When you came back to Maine, you started an astronomy club. Mm -hmm. What did that entail? So uh, we, being me, Linda, Maddie, and Thurston, um, started the club with, I think, around 20 to 30 girls, probably, like brownie to junior age. And we would pick like a new activity every month or a new topic to think about. I did a presentation about current events, about um, the telescopes that were being launched, and we did the planets. We just picked a different activity and a topic to go over for a couple hours each month and um, introduce a little bit of it to the girls. So you came back and you taught the younger girls. Mm -hmm. That's what another thing that I really like about the Girl Scouts is it's girl-led. So you have... You know, you have your leaders and the staff members, but they really put a lot of the leadership of programs and ideas and content into the hands of the Girl Scouts themselves. So what did you learn about yourself in terms of maybe leadership or starting something from doing the Astronomy Club? Yeah, honestly, I think I just learned that I can do it. And it wasn't something um, that happened consciously, but... It was giving me more confidence in, like, coming up with a plan, basically, and sticking to that plan and um, being, you know, more self-disciplined to make that plan happen. <laughs> so it's one of those things that, looking back now, you realize, like you said, it kind of quietly happened. It was it was happening as you were doing it. Um, but when you look back, you realize, really, what that, what you gained from that. 
Now you also, now here's another opportunity that I want to talk about, and that is the Student Conservation Association or SCA. Is that the correct acronym? Yes. (laughs) So now you also took advantage of that opportunity. So you were a little bit older now, right? And what was that? How old were you and what was that opportunity about? Yeah, I believe that was between sophomore and junior year. Um, And I think it worked the same way where the Girl Scouts of USA and uh, CSA worked together to pick councils. And yeah, I went to Washington State and flew there by myself, uh, which was the first time doing that. And we stayed in tents for two weeks in Olympic National Park. (laughs) And uh, we worked on helping the National uh, Rangers, basically, with odd jobs around the park. Um, We clipped trees, the bottoms of trees, to prevent disease and to provide a better habitat for insects. We caught and identified bees. (laughs) Um, Yeah, we took baths in creeks (laughs) for two weeks Uh, (laughs) we did a hike I don't remember the mountain's name but it was a fun hike we visited uh, there was wildfires happening at the time in Oregon in California and we got to visit um, a base a fire base for firefighters that was in Washington and learn about how they stayed there how they lived while they were there how long they were there what they did exactly when they weren't there fighting fires. And yeah. You know, something that's coming to mind for me as I'm listening to you talk about this and the experience at NASA is the other thing it does is open up your eyes to potential career paths, right? Like you might, you know, not to say that you decided to choose any of those, but for, for all of the girls there, you know, oh, wow, I could be a ranger or I might want to work in conservation or I might want to work in astronomy. I might want to be an astronaut. I mean, it just, it, I, I really, it, it just hit me as you were talking how impactful that is for young girls to be able to take part in all of these journeys. Yeah. Like I wasn't particularly interested in uh, pursuing astronomy later or pursuing conservation later but it was you know an amazing opportunity to be able to do this for free through the Girl Scouts Um, and it was you know hard to pass up because why wouldn't you just give it a try and see what happens and I ended up um, learning more about myself and learning more about the world and other places in my own country that I hadn't been able to visit yet so it's worth just give it a try honestly because that was my attitude through definitely through high school with Girl Scouts because in high school you don't do like a badge every week like you used to with brownies like you do bigger projects you do like the journeys or you help younger girls with a badge that kind of thing so there's other ways to like keep yourself busy and like keep you know upping the ante and seeing like well what can I do next that is like another Girl Scout cool thing that I can do. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, you were talking about learning more about yourself. And I know that you mentioned that going to Goddard was the first time, you know, that you had traveled um, by yourself, but that was still on the East Coast. That was also still with um, people I knew. Right. (laughs) In the same airplane. Right, right. Because as you mentioned, there was another girl that's a friend of yours, Maddie, and then there was the, um, the astronomer 
that you went with. Mm-hmm. And so, but this time when you flew across the country, this was the first time that you had ever been on a plane by yourself, didn't know anybody, going someplace where you didn't know anybody. So were you really proud of yourself for doing that? What was that like for you as an experience? Um, at the time, I wouldn't say I was proud. I would say I was a little bit terrified during the fact and then relieved after, um, <laughs> <laughs> at least on the plane. But I like distinctly remember my parents like didn't bother <laughs> to like get me through security they were like you got this right you're like 15 or whatever and I was like okay um and this was Boston airport so I was not used to that either but yeah it was like when I came back it was another like slow realization that like oh like I can I can do that (laughs) that's crazy that I can do that and so there was something that this was a catalyst for we talked about that so this experience that we just discussed, you know, you getting on the plane in Boston and going through, you know, maneuvering everything yourself, going across country by yourself, there was something else you had wanted to do that you hadn't done. And this was a catalyst for the next step. Yeah. Tell us about that. So my high school has an exchange program set up with a school in France, a sister school in France in uh, Alsace, Lorraine. And... I had previously told my parents that that was too scary, basically, and I didn't want to do it. I didn't have to do it. Um, and after that, I like definitely remember like one day in the car, I was like, Mom, I want to go to France. <laughs> and she was like, OK, we'll figure that out for you. And that in itself was an interesting experience. But just I distinctly remember like suddenly feeling like I had the confidence to go and do that. And you did it, didn't you? And I did it. (laughs) I love how supportive um, your parents are behind the scenes here. You know, you're mentioning that they're, they're encouraging you. Kudos, kudos, mom and dad. (laughs) So you've also, on top of all that, because that just isn't enough, you're also a gold and pinnacle awardee. And that means that you completed your bronze, silver, and gold awards. How old were you when you started on your first award? I believe I started my bronze award with my troop when we were in fifth grade. We were definitely juniors. So I want to do just a brief overview of what you did for your bronze and your silver. But then I want to talk a little bit more in depth about your gold award because your gold award was, yeah, your gold award was really, really, uh, it was just that, you know, how you came about the idea, what you did. Amazing. But let's just give a little bit of an overview so so people can understand how the projects ramp up for these awards as you go. So Yeah. So as I said, for bronze, I was still with my uh, first troop, my original troop. And we all decided together, like we narrowed it down. Like we all decided we want to do something with animals and then something with native animals in Maine. And eventually we decided to do a presentation um, for a couple other boy and girl scout troops um in our library about bats specifically about white nose syndrome happening at the time and still in uh, bat populations through maine and we had uh the maine audubon society brought some other nocturnal animals including bats and um we got to do like skits about how to catch a bat 
how not to catch a bat. <laughs> um, and I just found a few pictures yesterday. Actually, we had we like made shirts. Someone like drew a logo for it, and um, eventually I ended up finishing it by myself. I honestly can't remember why we didn't do it together, but and I built a bat box, which is basically a birdhouse, but for bats. Uh, with my dad and we sent it we brought it to the Booth Bay Land Trust which uh, Booth Bay is like my second home you can see I'm wearing a Booth Bay sweatshirt right now absolutely Um, it's a beautiful place so that was you know important to me that it ended up somewhere important to me all right so that was your that was the first one that was the bronze award now how about the silver award for silver I was all by myself. I was between troops this time. Um, so it's not typical that someone would do a silver award all by herself. But I um, decided to build two buddy benches, which if you don't know means um, if someone is feeling sad or lonely, doesn't have someone to play with on a playground during recess, uh, they can go and sit on the bench. And someone, the idea is that ideally someone will come and sit next to them and you know, just talk to them or invite them to go play or whatever. And so I did that for the middle school and elementary school in my school district. And that was really important to me because I have memories in elementary school of like wandering around the playground and not really doing anything. Yeah. yeah. That's, I had never heard of a buddy bench until you mentioned it. And I love the concept of that. (laughs) And you did that by yourself. And how old were you when you did that? I was in eighth grade, so I was 13, 13. Okay, so then the sort of the grandmother of the awards is the gold award, right? Or the queen <laughs> of, let's call it the queen, the, yeah, boss, the boss, the boss lady, the boss, the boss lady award <laughs> is the gold level. Uh, and so what I want to do is I want to spend a little more time on that. And I'm going to ask you just several questions. So the first question I have for you is, what was it that you saw that you wanted to change, and how did you become aware of this issue or problem? So it started with a trip uh, delivering cookies. I think I was actually still in eighth grade, and um, we were having trouble finding house numbers uh, on driveways or mailboxes or, you know, just figuring out where someone bought cookies from. And my mom said, if we can't find house numbers, how can emergency responders find house numbers, essentially? And that was like an idea, like, you know, you know, in cartoons when like a light bulb pops up over your head, <laughs> yeah. like a light bulb popped over both of our heads and we looked at each other and we were like, that's a gold idea. <laughs> so we saved it for gold because I hadn't gotten there yet. But um, and then we actually went on a camping trip in Rangeley at uh, Moosehead Lake and Every house there had the same, like, green, reflective, clear house numbers, like, somewhere on their house or at the end of their driveway, like, on a post that you could see just whizzing by really fast. So that we had a conversation there about, like, well, clearly they, like, mandated this or just sold them widely so that people would take them, basically, and... um it seemed like it was an issue beforehand and they found a way to fix it. So that's what I decided to do, basically. Well, that's really interesting 
how sort of the serendipity of that happened. You know, you you're driving to do cookies. This idea, this awareness presents itself to you. And then you go on a, a trip to Rangeley and see the answer to that. Mm-hmm. So how did you decide to address the issue where you live? So I spoke with um, the fire chief, the police chief, and the town manager. I interviewed them and just talked about like why this is important and how I can help fix this, basically. And they all pointed to an ordinance in my town that actually specifies how your house number should be presented. And if your house is more than 50 feet away, it should be at the end of your driveway or other a little little bit rules like that. So basically how I decided to go about this was raising awareness uh, because it already existed. People just had no idea that it existed. Um, so I made pamphlets. I did uh, presentations for the Lions Club and at a town council meeting. And I put those pamphlets everywhere. I put them on mailboxes um, and I put them in the town hall. And... I also started the program through Town Hall where we could actually sell big green reflective signs so that people could just go and buy them, pick up the pamphlet and send in their check and buy it. Wow. I mean, if you think about that, so first of all, you saw the problem and what you realized is there was an ordinance, but nobody knew about it. So you figured out, you know, we need to create awareness because probably like I wouldn't know about that in my town. You know, now that you're saying that, I'm thinking, can anybody see my house numbers? You know, really, I mean, you wouldn't think about that. And it's important because it could save your life. And I'm also seeing, you know, sitting here in the in the background, hearing you tell the story, seeing the progression of your confidence and leadership, because you just said you spoke in front of the town council. Yep. You were proactive and you went and spoke with the fire chief and all these people that, you know, could be intimidating for a young person to go mm-hmm. and talk with. So that must have, uh, you know, built confidence as well, even if you didn't realize it at the time. Yeah. I remember at the town, the same town council meeting, before they got to my presentation, they were talking about uh, whether uh, there's a park uh, called Twin Brooks in Cumberland. And they were arguing about whether there should be a leash mandate for dogs. And it was like a long conversation and like people were there to talk about that. So that was a little intimidating to be like, this is an important conversation that I'm going to follow up. Well, yeah, but (laughs) people were very passionate about it, even if it sounds like, you know, something minute. Oh, no, that happens in my town, too. Mm -hmm. And people do get very passionate. And there's a lot of kind of people on both sides of the issue and they get it can get heated. And so here you're going like, I got to I've got to speak, speak next. I'm following up this. You know, Mm -hmm. tensions are heightened and hopefully people will be more in agreement about the house numbers. Right. (laughs) (laughs) But But yeah. So you had some big shoes to sort of jump into as the next speaker. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, And. What I'd like to know is, have you seen any long-term results from that project? Yeah, definitely. I sold and I made actually about um, 200 signs, I believe. And I've definitely, well, first of all, every time I go around town, I see at least a few of my signs that I made on a house or on a driveway, which is really cool and like heartwarming. Um, 
But I've also seen other houses, other signs that aren't mine, but are definitely better than they were before. Like I've seen a higher percentage of, I can tell what number that house is. Um, and yeah, I, it, it's qualitative data, but it's still, um, yeah. definitely a change that I've seen. And I've also like, I don't know if it was because of me, but like Scarborough just, uh, right after I finished my project, I think they passed or like emphasized an ordinance about it. And Booth Bay actually did something pretty recently about it, too. Wow. Well, I'm sure they all talk. You know what I mean? I'm <laughs> sure the the fire chief. Well, seriously, yeah. like we did this and, it, you know, best practices, right? People share best practices within, you know, similar job fields. So I bet you they did. That very well could be attributed to what you did. And I say it yeah. is. <laughs> and a lot of people, <laughs> a few people told me that when they got the pamphlet on their mailbox or when they like picked it up at the town hall, they thought it was required. Oh. And I said like, well, it wasn't, but maybe it should be. <laughs> so I'm not mad that you told me that. <laughs> right. Exactly. Exactly. So that was, that had some real world positive repercussions and very likely has helped to get emergency vehicles where they need to be more quickly, which in an emergency like seconds and minutes count. So yeah, both the police chief and the fire chief told me when I originally interviewed them that they try to get to a house in less than four minutes. Yeah, And a lot of the time they can't do that because they can't find the house. And you know, that's what they have. They have the house number to find you. And if you don't present your house number, when you're having an emergency, people will have a hard time finding you and getting to you on time. Yeah. So well done. Well done, Audrey. (laughs) And also you are a future leaders scholarship recipient. So I want to switch gears for a minute and I want to talk about what you're doing right now in college. So tell us what you're studying. Right now I'm studying American Sign Language and theater. And I don't think I would be doing that if I hadn't did everything I did with Girl Scouts because they're both not like, I would say, conventional careers to pursue. They're not like, yeah, I'm just going to go into business. Not anything wrong with going into business, but um, they're not exactly the safest choice, quote unquote. Um, But I don't think I would have been able to make that decision without like seeing all my options, basically, and deciding that this is the best thing for me personally. And when did you actually start studying sign language? I started in third grade with Mrs. Robin Sitters uh, with a program called Sounds of Silence. And it was, I honestly think she was a substitute teacher for elementary school. And I think I might have just liked her and wanted to do the uh, after school program with her. And that's basically what got me started. And I went after school um, for so long. And I just kept doing it because I just liked her teaching, basically. Yeah. And like by the time I got to high school, I started doing private lessons with her and one other student, and um, I was hooked. And by the time I got to the end of high school, I like couldn't imagine anything doing anything else. So it was really a natural like, well, yeah, I'm going to do American Sign Language. Yeah, that. And there's a great need for that for interpreters and and I know you have sort of your own um, ideas about this and I love it. So you've also 
been involved in theater. Have you been involved in theater for a long time? Yes. I've been a part of like the drama club since sixth grade. But before that, I was in like the chorus and I did some performances with Sounds of Silence. So I was always enjoying the performances. So I started as an actor in middle school and high school. And now as a college student, I am learning more about the behind the scenes uh, technical side because I realized that I'm not college level acting <laughs> or singing. So um, I decided that I want, I love musicals and that's what I like want to work with. So as a non-singer, I decided to learn how to produce one basically. That's fantastic. And, and there's, you know what, we need more women producers. So that, that is huge right there. And we need young voices producing. And it also actually makes sense now why you're such a movie buff. You were saying that at the beginning of the podcast. So that just popped into my head, my little squirrel moment. <laughs> but you have a very interesting concept about tying these two fields of study together, theater and sign language. What is your idea of how you see those two skill sets working together for you? Yeah, I really think it's important to introduce the culture of being deaf, of the deaf culture to the hearing culture, because not a lot of people know that there's a culture associated with being deaf, basically. Um, and I think theater is a really good way to do that. There's a few companies out there that are both hearing and deaf actors and um, producers and crew. They both sign and they both like just introduce each other to their cultures and it's a good way to present to an audience a hearing audience mostly that like sign language is not just a code it's a language and it can be beautiful like singing and it can be poetic like singing or like english spoken english um and i think that theater is just like the best way to get that across to people yeah and and i like what you said about introducing the two cultures, you know, bringing everybody to the table for conversations in whatever form that may take. Now, you recently have just been given a major opportunity at school, particularly for somebody that you're a freshman or a sophomore right now? Sophomore. You're a sophomore. Okay. So still would be considered undergrad, I suppose, you know. And yeah. Okay. That huge opportunity. What was that opportunity? So I got asked to be the production stage manager for our musical this semester. We're doing Hedwig and the Angry Inch, which I'm so excited about. Yeah. Um, and It's a good one. Yeah, it's a big job. It's like basically the biggest job that they have a student do. And um, basically I'm booked for the month of February. Wow. That's impressive. That's really impressive. And... Do you feel like your time as a Girl Scout helped prepare you for the role? Yeah, I definitely do. I definitely, it's the same thing. I don't think I would have the confidence to like say yes and um, know that I can do this, even if I'm scared of doing it. <laughs> um, and I also don't think I would have been offered it if I hadn't been a Girl Scout because I've um, worked on getting my confidence to the point where I can present myself confidently if that makes sense it makes 100 it makes perfect sense so that somebody recognized that i was a hard-working person with the theater program and they thought she's never stage managed a show 
but she has such a good work ethic and a confidence about her that I believe that she can do this and we can help her do this. And I'm very grateful to that person and those people for believing in me and also like helps obviously believe in myself. (laughs) Well, I'm sure they recognize that you have leadership skills as well. Yes, that's an important part. (laughs) Totally right. That's a leadership role. I mean, and so they, they saw that as well. And as we've been talking about with every opportunity you took advantage of with Girl Scouts, every single one offered you that confidence, but put you in that leadership role as well. Even if you didn't, as you were doing it, recognize it at the time. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. And now you are uh, you are still involved with the Girl Scouts of Maine as an alum. How are you involved as an alum right now? So, first of all, because of the Pinnacle Award, I'm a lifetime member, which is awesome. <laughs> um, I was also asked to be um, on the Gold Award Committee, which is also awesome. I'm, I've only done that a couple times so far, but I love the idea of helping girls work through that. And uh, work, I love hearing about the projects. And there's a couple of amazing ones happening right now. I'm also a counselor at Camp Natarsui, which is like my second home. I already said that about Booth Bay, but it's both true. Um, and I'm going back there this summer as the CIT assistant director, actually. Wow. I just found out that yesterday. Oh, congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. And I'm so pumped about that because when I'll just, I got to say this. When I was a camper, all I wanted to be was a CIT. When I was a CIT, all I wanted to be was a counselor. And this past summer, as a counselor, I kept telling uh, Tree, the director, I want to be the CIT director when I grow up in like, you know, three years. But (laughs) um, (laughs) so now she recognized that, you know, I'm really passionate about doing that. And I want to help CITs because I love CITs and I love the program. And I'm really excited to be working with them. And so for somebody that doesn't know what a CIT is, Audrey, what is a CIT? A CIT is a counselor in training. So they're still campers, but they're our oldest campers. And they help organize and create activities for girls. Um, when we do all camps at the end of the day, every day, that's the CITs organizing them, basically. They generally help with, like, keeping the morale of the camp, I like to think, because they're the ones that are always the most enthusiastic and always the ones who are going to be jumping up and singing the most energetic songs at campfires um, and helping younger girls, obviously, with activities that they've been doing since they were their age at camp. Um, I just love CITs, and I think they're amazing. (laughs) And now you're going to be the assistant director? Mm Mm-hmm. Well, there you there you go, full circle, right? There's yeah. a succession plan in that. So <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I like that. And I just before we move on to the next question, I just want to touch upon this because I know that I can hear your enthusiasm about working at camp, and I know you talked about this when you and I met the first time. What did Girl Scout? camp mean to you personally that made you want to stay connected as a counselor or as a assistant director of the CITs now? Um, when I originally started, it was the same thing. I think it was the week away from my family um, and just being by myself and like knowing that I can do that. Um, 
and like it's just fun <laughs> I don't know how else to explain it like every time I have to interview every year for tree and every time she asks me like what are you most excited about for camp and I'm like I'm excited to be at camp I don't care like what I'm doing at camp as long as I'm at camp and I honestly I don't know how else to explain it other than that it's just like a it's like a different tiny little world yeah. with like all your best friends and all the people who know all the same weird songs and weird games and we all just love them all together because like when you're in that little world they're like your favorite songs ever right but when you're out there you're like that song is about a worm that gets swallowed and then burped back up. Like, that's weird. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I think you might be able to make a, you might be able to make a play out of that. <laughs> One never knows. Um, but that is, yeah, I hear that. And we actually um, are going to be doing a live about camps uh, later this month. So, but I hear that a lot too, how meaningful and fun the camp experience is. Yeah. And before we close out for the uh, for the podcast, I have two questions that I ask every daughter of change. Okay, so the first question, Audrey, is what wise words do you have for the other daughters of change out there listening? I definitely want to say to older girls or like in high school or like towards the end of middle school, I want to encourage you to stick with Girl Scouts because. Um, there are opportunities for you as an older scout to work with Girl Scouts instead of like as a Girl Scout, especially you don't even have to do the Gold Award. You can work on other journeys. You can work with younger girls doing journeys. You can help the Girl Scouts of Maine create new badges for older girls. And all these op- there are opportunities out there for older girls. You just have to be willing to give it a try. Like, just be able to say yes, basically. Those are wise words, Audrey. I like that. And how do the people listening connect and support you? I'm really interested in, um, as you said, and we talked about um, combining ASL and theater. Don't know how that's going to happen, honestly. But if there's anyone who knows anything about either or both working in Maine specifically, I definitely want to come back to Maine. I would love to hear about it. Fantastic. And you can actually um, comment on the Daughters of Change website if you're in, if you have some opportunities for Audrey. I don't know that we necessarily want to put your email out there, but you can also email me at Marie at Daughters of dot com and I can uh, connect you with Audrey. So I love that. That's that's really good. So any opportunities we have a future leader. Actually, I'm not going to say a future leader, a current leader who's only going to grow in her roles as she moves forward. And if you're interested in hearing more of these stories from the Passion to Action series, you can check them out at girlscoutsofmaine.org slash passion to action. Um, there's also links all through the show notes for Daughters of Change, social media, and the Girl Scouts. You can find more there as well. So Audrey, thank you so much for agreeing to do your first podcast with me. Thank you. I'm really happy that I got to do this and I'm excited to hear it. <laughs> With much gratitude and thanks, I want to recognize our sponsor for the Passion to Action campaign, the First National Bank. 
whose strong tradition of service extends beyond their walls by dedicating resources to identify and fund critical areas of community need in their market areas. This includes programs that enhance the quality of life, instill pride, and promote important initiatives, including education and youth, health and human services, civic and community development, and culture and the arts. Thank you, First National Bank.